window of opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 21, Prophecy. Did you have a prophecy about this one? I did not. I could not have foreseen the circumstances in which we are recording this episode at all. So... Uh, a couple things. With us, we actually have a very special guest. Uh, she's returning for her second appearance. Our very good friend. Please welcome Karen! Yay! Hello! Hello, lovely ladies. Uh, and in case this sounds weird, uh, all three of us are sharing a microphone. So please excuse any auditory oddness. I'll do my best to fix this in post if it needs to be. But just if this sounds different. Then... And, and also, yeah, we're, we're in person. Yay. Which is also amazing. We're live. Together and alive. And Which means yeah. there's going to be a lot more nonsense in this one. Yes. <laughs> also, we have had margaritas. So. With an S. Yes. With, with an S. So. This is, <laughs> hang on to your socks, folks. This is going to get fun. <laughs> Something. Fun-ish. My prophecy is this will be fun. <laughs> Oh, and just in case you hear a man popping up in the background, that's just Justin. You can ignore him. Uh, he's probably breaking <laughs> things. Uh, all right, Rachel. Since we did, did you remember this episode? No, of course not. You no. never remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> did not. Did not remember it. Did not have any prophecies about it. Didn't guess the ending. Okay. No. No. Okay. No. Karen, do you remember this one? Absolutely. Of course you do. Totally remember it. Yes. Yeah. Of course. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Actually, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Because we're the good Stargate fans, right? We remember. <laughs> Whoa. Way to, gate- way to gatekeep me, you guys. No, I'm not. Way to gatekeep me. No, welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, all right. Should we get into it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this episode aired on March 14th, 2003. It was written by Joseph Malatin, Paul Mully, and directed by Will Waring. And on the commentary, we had Will Waring, director of photography, Peter West, and the chief lighting tech, Rick Dean. So in this episode, the team finds an impoverished world enslaved by a ghouled underlord, but their plans to free it may be compromised when Jonas experiences unexplained visions of the future. Dun, dun, dun. I know, every time she says that, it, it always needs something, but all I can come up with is dun, dun, dun. It's the perfect every sound. Every time, yeah. It's the perfect sound. Maybe we should put in, like, the the gavel from Law and Order. <laughs> dun, dun. Sometimes. Oh, that. The dun, dun, as opposed to the dun, dun, dun. Yes. That, that's my text message notification. <laughs> I yeah. love it. So this episode starts with flashbacks to the previous several episodes we had with Nearty and the various experiments she was working on, just in case you needed some information as to what was going on in this episode. The episode proper then starts with SG-1 sitting down to a rather meager meal on an alien planet inside a tent with a couple of the local people, and uh, Elleri is the elder gentleman here, and the younger is Jason who I keep wanting to call Chosen. Thank you, Cobra <laughs> Kai. That's a different story. Um, the Elori and Chazen apologize for their offerings, but Jack's like, it's fine. And apparently these people spend most of their days in the mines for the greater glory of Ball. But Ball left when the mines ran dry. 
And even so, these people are still doing their best to get neck to get what Nequita they can that they sent they then send to Ball through his emissary, Lord Mott. And they are expecting Mott's arrival in twelve days. What's a day? Yes. How do they know? It's yeah. Mm-hmm. How do they know what days are? Well, sun rises or the sun's mm-hmm. rise or maybe. How long is that? I don't know. We don't know. They didn't show us their suns. No. No. We don't know how many suns or moons. We don't know suns or moons. No. no. We never. We didn't see darkness there either. No. So we have no idea. No. Maybe it never gets maybe, dark. Maybe a day is a week. Oh my God! Prophecy. <laughs> uh, would you like some fun facts about Lord Mott? Okay. All right. So, Mott is the Canaanite god of death and of the underworld. And according to instructions given by Baal to his messengers, Mott lives in a city named Myri, or Miri, and his throne is a pit, and filth is his inherited land. There's some tension between Mott and Baal, with Mott threatening to kill him, and at one point believing he was successful in that quest. There's then some text missing as to what exactly happened, but then at one point the sun goddess Shapesh joins Baal's sister Anat in burying Ma- in burying Baal, and at this point the sun went dark because the sun goddess wasn't there to do her sun stuff. Anat then brutally murders Mott, grinds him up in a millstone, and strews the remnants over a field for the birds to eat. Ball's father then dreams that Ball is still alive and sends Shophash to wake him up. Then, seven years later, Mott returns, demands one of Ball's brothers to eat. Uh, There's unfortunately more missing text for what exactly follows, but it seems that Ball tricked Mott into eating his own brothers, so like Mott's brothers. What? And there's another massive battle between Ball and Mott, and then Shapesh appears, severely scolds Mott, threatening that El, Ball's father, will turn against him and take his throne. So Mott concedes, and the conflict between the two ends. Oh my god. And throughout that entire thing, I kept waiting for you to mess up and say mothballs. <laughs> yes, with mot, I thought moth. Mort or moth? Like mort oh. like death or moth? See, I just, think moth moth I just think moth's applesauce. Uh, applesauce? Oh. I'm thinking death or moths. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, he had a throne of filth, so no yes. wonder he's pissed. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't like, thanks mm-hmm. for this throne of filth. Yeah. Ball, I'm going to kill you. Yes. yes. Yeah. So so yeah. that so that's some Lord Mott stuff, according to Earth. Mythology, at least. Okay. Stargate just said he lived in the underworld. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of not, course. Like, not a pile of filth. No. A yeah. pit of filth. They didn't go that. <laughs> no. Didn't go that far. No. Well, we've talked about before, like how much there's kind of the the gray area of like the Gould modeled themselves to the existing lore, or is it the lore they're finding somewhat historical about with the ghoul did it kind of gets yeah. into like yes a gray go. it's like the chicken or the egg like which came first right. kind of a thing yeah 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 so um okay so during this whole conversation that everybody's having jonas appears to like not be feeling well but he's like it's just a little hot i'm fine but at one point he spaces out and sees a vision of chazen saying to Ellery, you talk like an old fool it would be madness to defy lord mott 
He then like snaps out of it, and Elori is still going on about how they have to continue the mining because they're gods after all, right? But he kind of seems to be doubting this, like the whole ghouls being gods thing, and mentions there's an ancient prophecy of strangers that would come through the Stargate and free their people. And then, then, Chazen says, you talk like an old fool. It would be madness to defy Lord Mott. <gasps> Jonas is kind of like, take startled. He's like, this, like, something weird's going on here. Gets up to go outside to get some air, but instead collapses on the floor. His eyes are open, but is seemingly catatonic as we cut to the opening credits. Oh man, cliffhanger. Yes, I mean, that's a pretty decent cold opening as far as Stargate goes. Yeah. Because there is... Yeah. Jonas, are you okay? Yeah. Dun, dun. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, we don't. good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So we come back from the credits, and back at the SGC, Jonas, Frazier, and Hammond are walking through the hall after Jonas has had an MRI. He's looking much better, and Frazier says he's in perfect health. But given what they know about the Nequadria experiments and what happened in Kelowna, she ran an MRI just to be safe. And when they get to her office, she, like, puts up his brain scans and points out an area that has some unusual activity. She can't really explain what it is or why it's there at the moment, so she's ordered some more tests. Jonas tries to brush it off as, I just got dizzy. It was probably the food. It's, I'm fine, or whatever. So, it's like, okay, okay. Okay, but no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometime later in the briefing room, SG-1 are discussing what happened on P4S-237, and Sam reconfirms the Toker intelligence that Ball hasn't been there in over 100 years, but also that he's not receiving any of the Nakwita that they're mining. Perhaps this Lord Mott is just keeping it for himself, and then Jonas gives a brief overview of who Mott is from Earth archaeological records, and Tilk translates this into, like, ghouled activity, uh, as likely there's some kind of battle between Ball and Mott, with Ball forcing Mott into servitude. So it's possible Mott is keeping the Nakwita for himself to make a move against Ball. But the main thing is, if SG-1 is right about what's happening there, and if the system lords believe the planet to be useless, they should be able to free the people from under Mott's rule and not worry about somebody else coming in to take over. They didn't explicitly ask for help, but it was very heavily implied. But Jack would like some more intel before making any decisions as to how to proceed. Jonas then has another vision of Sam asking him to join her for lunch because it's Mexican Day. Yay! Woo-hoo! It was it was it's Mexican Day here too because we had tacos to go with our margaritas. So yay! Yeah. Themes. Awesome. Yay! Yeah. Yay, Carrie! Excellent tacos. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, as the vision ends, we come back and Sam tells Hammond that Elleroy told them Mott won't be back for 12 days, so they have plenty of time to figure out what to do. So Hammond's going to make a call to the Pentagon. We cut to Jonas entering his office and seeing the notebook from his vision lying there when Sam then enters, asking if Jonas wants to join her for lunch because it's Mexican Day! <laughs> So every time they do these, like, futuristic vision of something and then it actually happens, I don't know if I'm just the weirdo by myself, but I always pay attention to if the actor is using the same inflection or if you can totally tell it's separate takes. They actually did this pretty well. They did. They yeah. totally did. I did, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I totally watched it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is it exact? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is it the same thing or is, is it, it just filmed differently? Is it the 
picture perfect thing. Yeah. 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 They did pretty well. Yeah. And they also do the interesting thing of filming the, the vision sort of from Jonas's point of view, as much as they can, if Jonas Mm -hmm. is there actually experiencing it. And then when they do the real thing, it's, sort it's from it's from tv jonas's point of view you know yeah where it's almost the same angle but not quite because you need jonas in the shot because this is now tv and stuff and right yeah Yeah. i think i think they did that well it'd be interesting to know which which shot was filmed first as well oh yeah yeah they didn't talk about that in the commentary which i thought they would have but no that's not something that mm. that they brought up it is cool to think about though. sometimes the future could be shot in the past and then the past one could be shot in the future and they could all be in one episode prophecy prophecy that was justin what did that guy get here oh that's right justin was here. <laughs> he's been here the whole time <laughs> prophecy <laughs> Um, okay, so it's Mexican Day, and Jonas was like, I knew you were going to say that. And he explains, like, what's been going on with him, and Sam's like, oh, that's just deja vu, explains what deja vu is. And Jonas is like, no, this 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 isn't deja vu. Like, he explains it happened earlier on 237, but he didn't really think anything about it, but now that it's happened twice. Ah, it's weird. It's, it's weird. Fraser then enters Hammond's office with the results of a second MRI that they have done, She's now certain that whatever is going on with Jonas has nothing to do with the Nequadria exposure like the other scientists on Kelowna. He is having what he he calls visions, and there's now some headaches, but there's no evidence of schizophrenia, which that was sort of the main symptom of that, like, Nequadria sickness there. There is, however, a spot on the MRI that has Fraser concerned that it could be a tumor. So in the interest of concern, Fraser recommends that Hammond takes Jonas off of active duty. SG-1 are telling Jonas about Hammond's decision, and he's like, that's ridiculous. This is fine. The MRI, whatever's on the MRI, it's, 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 all, it's all the same thing. Whatever's on the MRI is the vision, so it's all the same thing. It's all connected, which no one believes, like, the visions are happening. And Tilk even says, like, this isn't something we've ever encountered before, which you go to alien planets. There are lots of things you've never encountered before until you encounter them. I know. that I did not enjoy how, how every time something happens with Jonas, everyone's immediately like, hmm, He's totally gaslit. You know you do. Right, exactly, yes. And then it happens to be true, and they're like, oh, sorry. We should support you more because you're part of the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he even mentions here about, like, those aliens inside yes. Unseen, like, those invisible aliens from that, like, weird yes. machine they brought back. He's like, you didn't believe me about the aliens, and then there they were. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah. He was two out of two. Yeah. Although, yeah. at the same time, if you came to me and was like, I knew you were going to tell me it was Taco Tuesday, <laughs> I would take a little pause before I was like, okay, let's investigate gonna, this. Are we going to invade a planet <laughs> or, like, you know, do some upheaval in a planet? Because, you know, it's Tackle Tuesday. <laughs> we should investigate this further. Yes. Um, but Jack did say that because you uh, saw something about lunch. Yeah. yeah. You knew what was yeah. on a lunch, lunch menu, menu or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam then says that clairvoyance goes against every law of physics as they understand it. Uh, Jonas kind of goes quiet and has sort of spaced out again. And he kind of then, like, snaps back out of it and is like, the Tok'ra are coming which is then immediately followed by the alarm of an unscheduled off-world activation. And then Jonas says her name is Sina. 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 Which Sina did not get the red spell check of doom. 
Was it because of John Cena? No. Okay. It's spelled S-I-N-A. Okay. Would you like to know about Cena? Yes, please. So, two things. So, apparently, Cena is a type of Chinese silkworm. Oh. But it is also a girl's name of Irish origin, meaning treasure or God is gracious. Oh, mm. nice. I like that it mentioned God. Yeah. Okay. So, there you go. So, up in the briefing room, Hammond introduces SG-1 to Cena of the Tok'ra, and SG-1 just kind of, like, double takes this, and Hammond's like, is something wrong? What? And they're like, no, it's fine. This is all, it's all fine. No, no worries. We're all good. Um, but anyway, Cena is there with more information about Ball, and there's sort of a funny moment where Hammond sort of gestures everybody to take a seat, and Cena takes Jack's seat, and Jack is like, she's... She's in my she's in my seat. What and him just like just sit next to her. <laughs> like it's kind of funny. Um so anyway, so uh Ball was just defeated in battle by Lord Yu. Who? Me? No, no me? No. You. You. Me. You. Why you? Okay. You. You? You. No. Me? Not you, you. Okay. <laughs> Which <laughs> I have in my notes, pause for Rachel's joke. I do like Jack's line though. Yes, go you. No, you go you. Oh, that's right. He says you go you. Go you. He is a kindred spirit. Yeah, to Rachel's joke. (laughs) It's still funny. It is. It is. That's why I paused for your joke because it's funny. It's a perfect episode for it. Um, Which, given that Lord Yu is the only system lord who still stands against Anubis. It's quite surprising that Lord Yu hasn't just been completely ground to dust at this point. Which is true. Yeah. Like uh, they did to Paul in that lore from yeah. the Lord of Phil. Well, Mott. Yeah. They ground Mott. Oh, they ground Mott. They ground Mott, yeah. they ground yes. Mott and spread him yeah. all over. So there's yeah. a lot of there's yeah. a lot of mortal and pestle action going on. Yes. What? Mortar? Mortar and pestle. Mortar and pestle. Not mortal. Ooh. Mortal and pestle? a double entendre. Oh, Prophecy. <laughs> um, so... With this defeat, uh, Anubis is quite upset with Ball, and as Jack explains it, so he screwed up and his boss is pissed at him now, huh? And he's just kind of like, yeah, uh-huh, yep. sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah. So this is sort of really the opportune moment for Mott to make a move against Ball if Ball's fleet is weakened. So they need to help the people of 237 right, right now. Sam heads back to Jonas's office where he's downing some painkillers. She mentions what happened in the briefing room with Cena, and Jonas can't really explain it. He just saw her, Hammond introduced her, and then it happened. So, okay, they haven't met anyone that has quote-unquote precognitive abilities, but they have met people with other psychic-related abilities like those people on p3x367 that nearty was experimenting on like wodan and all of those weird people and she also had jonas in that weird gene machine for over an hour who knows what she might have done to him in that time back down in the infirmary jonas now has had another mri Frazier is sure at this point that the tumor is benign at least but it has grown by 50 percent since his last scan which is crazy she recommends immediate surgery before the growing pressure inside his skull kills him. Karen is raising her hand like she has a question. Yes, Karen. I was like, so it's 
and the quadra and the quadria going on. Naquita. Naquita. and the quadria. That's it. The quadria is the stuff on Kelowna. It was like, that's just too close. Yes. Pick a different name. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so what are the two words again? Naquita. Naquita and Naquadria. Yes. That's it. Sorry. That's the one. But oh, notice they do say Naquita different. Somebody says it. Yeah. There's Ma- like Naquita. There's Naquita. Yeah. There's, there's still. Some... It's like Goa'uld Gould all yeah. over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I hope that. I hope you can hear that on the recordings. <laughs> if you can, I'm leaving it in. Um, <laughs> so up in the briefing room, Fraser and Hammond are giving all of SG-1 the rundown of what's going on with Jonas. Fraser has called in the best neurosurgeon to operate on Jonas, which she is insisting happen ASAP. Jonas and to some extent Sam are wanting to sort of hold off on that, like push it back a bit. They believe the tumor is in response to whatever experiment Nearty was doing with trying to create a Hoktar, Hoktari, advanced human, and that is giving him precognitive abilities, which is all well and good, but if the tumor keeps growing, it is going to kill him. And Less like, fun. Yes. And he's like, maybe it won't keep growing. But they're also like, when has Nearty ever done anything that hasn't ended horribly? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did like that line when Jack said that. She's never done anything that didn't end badly. Yep. Yes. Uh, Jonas, She's not a sweetheart, basically. No, no. Not at all. No. Jonas then tries to plead his case to Jack and like how much of an advantage it would be if they knew when the next ghoul attack was coming, which Tilk then adds that Jonas's past precognitive episodes have not been anywhere near that helpful. The whole two of them? Yes. All yeah. two of them. Yeah. One was lunch. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cold of like, well, what have you done for us lately? <laughs> your, two, your measly two premonitions have only told us about lunch. Yes. <laughs> that was kind of harsh. And Jonas was like, all right, Mike, like, just give me 48 hours. Hammond decides he'll give Jonas 24 hours, and he's going to sit out this mission. The rest of SG-1 will head back to 237 with SG-15 to see what they can do about freeing those people from under Mott's thumb. Jonas is now in the infirmary under the care of Dr. Fraser. His blood pressure is a bit high, the headaches are getting worse, and the two have a fairly frank conversation about Jonas and what he feels his worth is on the team and why he might be pushing through this to prove his worth to Jack. And Janet's like, maybe you're just good enough as you are? Which I liked. I liked that. I liked very much. Yes. It was a good, good pep talk. Me too. I liked it a he lot. He needed too. that pep talk. I thought it was yeah. really great. Like, mm-hmm. you're already enough yeah. as you are. Yeah. Yes. As Fraser turns to a nurse to order an EEG, Jonas falls into another vision. And this vision now involves Fraser rushing towards a gurney. And we then see that it's Sam. She's unconscious. Her vitals are not good. She appears to have a, a burn on like her shoulder, sort of upper arm area. She then goes into V-fib. They start working on restarting Sam's heart, including using a defibrillator, which is not what you do to restart a heart that has stopped beating, but that's TV medicine for you. Jonas then snaps out of the vision and runs towards the gate room as the alarm for an active wormhole sounds. Prophecy. Is it though? Is it? We'll is find it? out. We will find out if it's a prophecy. Uh, as the wormhole engages and SG-1 starts to head up the ramp, Jonas comes running into the gate room yelling at Jack to scrub the mission because Sam gets hurt. Everyone just kind of exchanges looks. 
unsure of what to do. So it does seem like they believed Jonas somewhat because the gate is now shut down and everybody's up in the control room while Jonas explains the full content of his vision. He says that Sam had what looked like a staff blast, even though the villagers say that the Jaffa won't be there anytime soon. And honestly, they can't really know anything about the specific details around Sam getting hurt because all he saw was that Sam was hurt. And it might not even be happening right now. It could happen at some point in the future. But Jonas seems sure he can't really see that far into the future. I found that to be a weird comment that he already, like, knew that much about what he was going through. Of like, no, no, I can't see that far. Like, you don't know. Well, I mean, it does hold true with, like, what's happened in the previous visions. There was, like, he saw Chazen saying that thing, and, like, 30 seconds later, Chazen said that thing. He heard that Sam invited him to lunch. That was a few minutes Five later. Five minutes yeah. later, Sam invited him to lunch. So. Right. But it was it was just too definitive for me. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 I can't do that. Well, you... Well, you've had this for a day. Yeah. Not even a day. You've had this for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, By the way, you never see them eat the tacos or the Mexican food. They don't. They don't don't go get Mexican. Did they get Mexican food? We don't know because in previous episodes, we see Jonas eating more. That was kind of a bit of his thing. That's Which right. they cut out. The, the producers cut out because they're like, you need to stop because yeah. it's like continuity. You can't. Yeah. Keep we, we eating talked the about time. that before. Yeah. And they were like, you need to stop drinking it because the continuity, we can't deal with it. Um, and I was like, show him eating something. Gosh darn it, it's a thing. <laughs> um, uh, but also, like, they can't keep second guessing every decision that they make. Which Hammond does agree with. But until they can get a better understanding of what's going on with Jonas, he'd prefer to proceed with caution. And since Sam is the only one that Jonas saw injured, she can sit this one out while everybody else goes on. It is a little different, though. If I can interject. Please um, do. Like, think of movies that we see lately. Anybody shows anything like the ability to have a prophecy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, bleeding them dry. They're like, let's see what you could do. Hooked up to electrodes. Show us more stuff. This yeah. is like, it's all right. You're fine. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's just lunch. And they just go on like, it's just, you saw a little bit of the future, whatevs. I mean, like, it's no big Instead deal, of, you know? It's yeah. like, yeah. every other thing would be like, oh, my God, you can up see to something. And yeah. Let's get this stuff better. And they're just like, eh, whatever. It's just, yeah. It is interesting they are more concerned about him and his well-being than this yeah. Yeah. Than what new they ability he possesses. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Oh, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. That is better. <laughs> <laughs> This is the good version. Yeah. But you know, yeah. you yeah. know 2003. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, yeah. like, this person is enough. He gives enough, you know, to the team. Mm-hmm. But man, he's got prophecies. <laughs> so we cut back to 237, and we're back in the village. Jack radios to Pierce, who's the leader of SG 15. Pierce reports no sign of Jaffa activity. And LRI's like, I told you they're not going to be there for a few days yet. And Jack then asks Elroy if he's sure that they want the help of the SGC. And he's just like, that's what the prophecy foretold. And Jack's like, no, that do you want our help? Because there's a difference between the prophecies, uh, prophecies that this is going to happen. But do you want our help? Which is very clear for Jack. So Elroy then tells a story of how last year a lot of their people got very sick. So they weren't able to mine as much Naquita as they usually do. They tried to plead with Lord Mott when he came, but he didn't care for their excuses. 
took 10 of their sickest, including his son-in-law, and killed them in front of the whole village. So, yeah, he wants their help. Yeah, Just not good. that guy up. Not good. Mm, yeah. Not good. Yeah. So, Poured him in the mortal and pestle. <laughs> the mortal and pestle. <laughs> mortal and You'll pesto? You'll find out your mortality. <laughs> the mortal and pesto at your local Italian restaurant. <laughs> However, after this conversation, Chazen sneaks out of the tents, ducks through the woods, and then pulls out a mini Gould communication device. No. There's always one in the bunch. There is, unfortunately. Uh, Back at the SGC, Jonas is in his office trying to do some research on his new abilities, but he's not really looking well all uh fun fact on the commentary the book jonas is reading here is called precognition your dreams do come true by w waring will waring and the picture on the back is of director will waring oh funny because apparently the script just had him like reading a book and will was like why doesn't he read a book about like what's happening to him because that's something jonas would do so the prop department (laughs) Mm -hmm. made up this book written by w waring it's cool that's funny there's then an alarm over the intercom and somebody calling for a medical emergency on level 25. Jonas rushes out, runs into Siler and a medic, and Siler's hand looks like it's been burned, and he tells Jonas that Sam was also injured while they were doing an overhaul of the Stargate generator and the power spiked. Sam is then rushed down the hall on a gurney, and the exact thing that Jonas saw earlier with Sam being injured has happened it wasn't a staff blast it was the power spike from the gate we see fraser and the nurse doing what they did before but this time they do get sam's heart restarted and they keep heading towards the infirmary leaving jonah standing in the hall alone having watched all of that happen so that's where we learn it happened anyway yes even when he tried to because he didn't know the, the context he didn't context is everything yes mm-hmm. We cut to a bit later and Sam is now awake in the infirmary and we see like her like her upper arm shoulder area is wrapped from where she was injured. Jonas comes in to check on her and she says she'll be fine and Jonas apologizes because you know this is all his fault. He completely misunderstood what the vision was trying to tell him and he keeps pushing that if he had understood things better he could have figured things out. He's always been hyper aware of things and he promises that this won't happen again. She's like, no, that's no, that that's not how things work. And Sam goes on to explain a couple different theories around physics and how atoms work and are viewed on a micro level and how those theories completely negate any kind of future prediction. They can really only calculate possible futures. And I was going to research those things that Sam talked about. Oh man. But I, I would not have understood anything that I read. And Amanda <laughs> usually does her own research, so I completely believe everything that Sam said because Amanda does her own research on her techno babble. Oh, yeah. fantastic. But, Which is spot on. She was yes. spot on. Yeah. Yes. And the Heisenberg uncertainty principle is a real thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm certain. I am certain about that uncertainty. I, yes, I am certain <laughs> that the uncertainty principle is real. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so Jonas is like, I'm seeing possible futures, and Sam's like, maybe and he's like but everything i've seen has come to fruition she's like that's not always gonna be what happens though i did like that point yes you know sure everything has come true but you don't know that that's always going to be the case yes Uh but three out of three is 
Three out of three ain't bad, three I guess one might say, bad. in yeah. a song, perhaps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, back on 237, Jack, Tilk, and Pierce are with LRI discussing the particulars of Mott's arrival. He comes by ship, not through the gate. He has eight, maybe ten Jaffa, which is really not a lot. And Pierce points out an area of the map where they should be plenty of cover for them to be able to stage an attack. And they're like, great. And in the morning, LRI will take them there to like actually physically scout out that area. However, Chazen then barges into the tent, yelling that LRI has been fooled by the outsiders, but no worries, he's taking care of it. And then there are the sounds of a scout ship flying overhead. Lord Mott is coming. <gasps> Chazen raises a ghouled stun grenade, and there's a blinding flash of light. No! No! <sighs> Back at the SGC. <laughs> <laughs> That's how these things go, Justin. No. Well, in this, in this instance, it's funny being more of us. It's We're all just gathered around for Carrie's story time is what's happening. <laughs> Carrie, tell us a story. I'm enjoying it. I, I, I honestly feel like I'm watching it all again. I'm seeing it yeah. in my mind's eye. Your prophecy? Prophecy. Back at the SGC, Fraser enters Jonas Jonas's <laughs> office to talk to him about some test results, but he's passed out on the floor. Like he's he's seemingly at, like his eyes are open, but he's unresponsive. There's a lamp that's been knocked over, and he's like got a nosebleed. She rushes to the phone and calls for a medical team. Back on the planet, uh, Jack Tilk and SG15 have been taken hostage by Mott. And Mott comes down to the cell to do his usual, like, posturing. And Jack's like, I know why you're here, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. We don't care. Uh, he also tells Mott that they're in contact with the Tok'ra. And if they don't report back by a certain time, the Toko will tell Ball what Mott is doing, which Mott doesn't believe they're actually going to do because all that would happen is that Ball would return here. And they're like, well, if you kill Ball, you'll then have to answer to Anubis. And Mott's plan for that is to torture these guys long enough to that they give him the IDC code for the iris, and then he'll destroy the SGC and be in Anubis's good graces, even though he killed Ball, who, like, is in Anubis's good graces. Which is a fantastic plan. Absolutely nothing can go wrong. No, it's the, it's the perfect plan. No. I thought um, the guy playing Mott kind of had a James Spader-esque quality to him. Anyone else? No, I thought it a no. little bit. Little no. bit? No? no? Not even a little bit. No. Okay. No. Just Sorry. me. All right. Okay. Bye. Gotta go. <laughs> uh, no prophecy. Uh, obviously, no one tells him anything, and he's like, not yet. But there are also villagers to torture for their treachery. Good times. Yes. Jonas, back at the SGC, wakes up in the infirmary, kind of confused about where he is. Fraser explains and that they have to get the tumor out now. And before he can sort of fully understand what's going on, he snaps into another vision. The SGC is receiving SG-15's IDC code. They open the iris, but no one comes through. Hammond radios back, trying to get someone to respond. There's still nothing. No one says anything. Then there's a staff blast that comes through. Shattering the glass of the control room window, Hammond falls back to the floor covered in scratches from the exploding glass. Alarms start sounding. There's a ghouled stun grenade that rolls down the ramp, taking down the guards that are in the gate room at that time. Jaffa then start coming through the gates, firing at everybody's there. The SGC soldiers fire back. 
Hannon finally gets up, sees Walter Norman Harriman Davis dead on the floor, having taken the full brunt of the staff blast. The rest of the gate room soldiers are taken out, and one last Jaffa comes through with what looks like a giant stun grenade, maybe? It's, you know, the big gould ball with flashing crystal lights on it. Uh, he sets it on the ramp, gets it activated. Reinforcements flood into the gate room as Hammond gets the iris closed. He then locks eyes with that Jaffa that set the giant stun grenade, and then it explodes in a blinding flash of light. And according to the commentary, that blinding flash of light was practical on set, not just CG. Like they like oh, they got a huge light something. Yeah, they mentioned like how many lights and how bright it was, and they just like blew out the camera. How many lumens? I don't remember. I don't know if they said lumens. I'm guessing maybe eleven thousand. That's a lot of lumens. I wonder why. Wonder why the lighting guy was on the commentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's why the lighting guy was on the commentary. Uh-huh. Love it, love it. Yes. Uh, also on the commentary, there was a shot that it's it didn't quite really come through on camera as much as they wanted it to, but there was a shot where there was a massive hole through one of the computer monitors, um, and basically on that shot that goes from sort of Hammond seeing Davis and then kind of tilts up. So it was supposed to sort of tilt up to sort of imply that the staff last went like through Through. the computer monitor into Davis and then like knocked them out. So, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't quite show up on camera as well as he wanted it to. Uh, Jonas then comes back to the present, yells that he needs to talk to Hammond right now. Frazier, Sam, and Hammond are now in the infirmary talking to Jonas about what he saw. Unfortunately, as they don't really know the exact circumstances around what happened and why it happened, the only thing they can do is follow standard protocol, which is, you know, trying to get in contact with them to let them know this thing might happen. Right. And as Jonas points out, this conversation is already outside of standard protocol because they would be having this conversation if he didn't have the vision. And... Jonas wants to try focusing to try and control these visions because it's not something he's done before to see if he can find out how the Jaffa get SG-15's iris code. And Fraser strongly objects to this. He's like, you need surgery now. And he's like, just just a little more time. Just, just a little give more. me five more minutes. Five more minutes. Uh, back on the planet, everybody's still in the Gould cell, and we see one of the village women come in with some drinks for the guards, and Jack's like, can we have some water too, please? And she's just is like, no, you can't. No. no. Uh, one of the guards collapses and kind of, like, falls into the other guard, and it, like, pushes him against the bars where Jack and Till keep hold of him until he also collapses, and the two guards are now just, like, unconscious on the floor, and they're like, okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, she releases them. It says that she laced the drinks with Kelmina root, and they'll be out for several hours. She also managed to grab their GDO from Chazen, who has, like, all of their stuff. Also, so apparently this woman is Ellery's daughter, Natania. And uh, Ellery is being held by Mott to be made an example of. And as she wanted them can all help, but they need to get out of there, so she shows them the way. And also, like, while this conversation was going on, they all, like, picked up the, like, the staff weapons and the zats that those Jaffa had. So that's what they have later. Right. Back in the infirmary, we see Jonas lighting some candles to try and help with his concentration. Because, hey, it works for Tilk, so why not for Jonas? I did think it was funny he was doing a Kelno Ream type thing. 
<clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a very serious like blowing very out the Very deliberate. Match. Yes. yes. Uh, he gets to, maybe a little woozy, but Fraser helps him get back to the bed, and he sits down and starts sort of staring at the candles to try and focus, and he there's the vision that comes. And we see a hand trailing through some tall grass, As and in the commentary, yes, this is a direct homage to Gladiator. Okay. Yeah, totally looked good, yeah. too. Yeah, very nice. Uh, we then see Jack Tilkin SG-15 approaching the gate, keeping an eye out for Jaffa. Pierce styles the DHD, gets the IDC sent, and then out of nowhere, a staff left comes, hits Pierce right in the back. Jack and all the others die for cover as the Jaffa attack. Two more members of SG-15 get hit and go down. Pierce is still alive, though, and Tilk runs to try and grab him. When he is then hit in the leg and he goes down, Jack yells. Tilk tries to, like, get back up to continue fighting, but takes two more staff blasts to the back, falls, seemingly dead, and it's just Jack left, and he is soon surrounded by a dozen Jaffa, at least. So do we count these as times that SG-1 has died? Does this go, does this get chopped up? On no. The tallies. No. no. Doesn't into, qualify. Into the fictitious ones. Okay. Because it yeah. wasn't real yet. It, wasn't real. it was just a. <clears throat> okay. Privacy. I don't. I don't think it was real because I thought I was actually. I think it was uncharacteristic of Tilk. He paused too much when he got up. Usually he would make some kind of crazy move. Well, or... you have to remember this is Tilk without Junior. This is Tilk fresh on uh, Tritonin. Like this. This is That's Tilk right. like a like a week or two post Junior extraction. Right. Oh, exactly. Nice. Symbiote, symbiote so, switcheroo. Oh, yeah. okay. So he's maybe, he's maybe not a hundred percent Tilk. He's not okay. full Tilk. I don't okay. think he's full Tilk. He had this. Tilk. He had the expression of of Tilk <laughs> yes. and like making contact. Like I got. To get up and do this, yeah. knowing like you are not going to win this. It's in yeah. the middle of the field, like yeah. it's too far away from shelter. So like you're gonna take some blasts. Yeah. yeah. So we still did it. Plus I felt like it was slow motiony. So yeah. I don't know if yeah. we really got the full. Yeah. Like if we'd have seen it full speed, what did it look like? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still believe in the power of Tilk. Me too. Oh yeah. Yeah. He would have taken at least one, oh, three yeah. people out before. Exactly. Yeah. Jonas then comes out of the vision before we can see how it all ends. He tries to get up from the bed, just saying he needs to get the control room, but he just he collapses on the floor. Frazier yells for help. They get him back on the gurney into surgery right now. Back on 237, Natanya is showing the SG teams the way to the gate. She begs them to hurry so her father isn't executed, and Jack's like, stay here until we get back. We'll take care of everything. Jonas is being wheeled to the OR when Sam catches up with them. Jonas is like out of it, but manages to grab Sam's hand and tell her he saw what's going to happen. And we cut to Sam heading up to the control room to tell Hammond that Jonas saw that everybody's walking into an ambush and Hammond orders 237 to be dialed. Jonas is in the OR. The neurosurgeon is there. They're all ready to go. They inject the lorazepam and out goes Jonas. Back in the village, Chasen has all of SG-1 and SG-15's gear on the table in front of him, and he's, like, looking at one of the P90s, and one of the radios sparks up with Hammond calling in with the warning message from Jonas. Obviously, there's no response, and Chasen calls to another man, Sandir, to go check on the prisoners. Back at the SGC, Hammond asks about bringing out the mouth, but they can't get it online, Sam tells him that SG-3 is ready to go, but Hammond's like, I can't risk that because 
we don't know what's <clears throat> right at the gate. There's apparently Jaffa all around the gate. They can't, sorry, not going to happen. Isn't it weird, though, that Hammond divulged the information over the radio anyway without mm-hmm. having any sort of response? Yes. I thought, I'm sure we all thought that same mm-hmm. thing. Like, yeah. you would not have given away that much stuff, but it no. made the it made the end of the episode move faster because yeah. it would have just been like, hi, how's, how's it going? How yeah. are you doing? Yeah. It, you know? It would have mm-hmm. been like, you know, SG-1, this is Hammond, please respond. Right. right. Pierce, this is Hammond, please respond. There would have right. been no just, bleh, By I'm going to tell you the whole secret thing. Yeah. And here's the, no matter who here's the dial home code as well, if in case you forgot it. Right? <laughs> in case you forgot. <laughs> but Fort Knox is located. Yeah. <laughs> but TV, so yeah, they had to move it along. Yeah. So on two three seven, we see somebody's hand brush through some tall grass, just as Jonas saw, and they get to the gate. Uh, Sandir reports back that the prisoners have escaped, and Jason calls for the alarm to be sounded. The gate activates. They hear that Jaffa warning horn being sounded. So Jack looks around and actually sees the Jaffa approaching. He's able to warn everyone and they take cover before the firefight starts. Mott enters the tent where Chazen is waiting and he is all pissed off that the alarm was sounded. And Mott is like, I let them escape, you idiot. Like, that was fine. It's all good. Chazen grovels for mercy, but that's not something that ghouls do. And Mott aims his hand device at Chazen, and then there's a gunshot. Mott doubles over in pain. We see Natania then enter the tent, a handgun raised as she just shot Mott. She shoots him again, and Mott falls to the ground. Bye-bye, Mott. Bye-bye, Mott. Bye-bye, We're great. We don't miss you. Back in the OR, Fraser's assisting Van Denson with the surgery, which seems to be going well, though a little bit tricky because of the particulars with the tumor and how it's, like, integrated into the brain and all of that. Mm-hmm. There's a quick cut back to 237 where the firefight is continuing between the SG teams and all of the Jaffa. Back in the OR, Jonas's blood pressure is dropping, his heart rate is rising, he's hemorrhaging, but Van Denson can't find the bleeder, his stats are getting worse, but he didn't just, like... Medical terms being thrown around as they try and keep Jonas stable. It was very Grace Anatomy-esque. Yes. yes. Nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Finally, Von Denson finds the bleeder, manages to get it tied off, and Jonas is stabilizing. So let's get the tumor out. Elsewhere in the SGC, the alarm for an incoming wormhole is sounding. Armed personnel are flooding into the gate room and the halls. Like, super, they've got, like, the shields, and, like, this is, like, full armed response to an incoming wormhole. They finally receive SG-15's IDC. Hammond radios back before he orders the iris open, like, you know, Pierce, please respond. Like, somebody, please respond. But there's, nobody's responding. And Sam's like, if we don't open the iris, and it really is them, then Chris Then not good. Not good. So, okay, open the iris. After just a bit too long, a bit too long of a pause <laughs> that everybody's comfortable with, uh, we see Jack, Tilk, and SG-15 come through. One of the men of SG-15 is wounded, though not severely. Everybody else is fine. Hammond and Sam head into the gate room to greet Jack. He requests permission to head back with SG-3 and SG-10 to finish what they started. Permission granted. Jack then notices all of the extra personnel in the gate room and is like, what, what's up with this? Just, hi. What's going on? What's uh, happening? Sam will explain later. We then cut to the infirmary sometime later. 
Jonas is sitting up reading a book. He's got a bandage wrapped around his head, but he's looking much better. The rest of SG-1 come in to check on him, and they were able to get the whole tumor out, which is great. Sam read the post-surgery report, and the tumor was basically normal human brain tissue, but with, like, five times as many neurons in it. Interesting. And Jonas is like, that definitely has something to do with whatever near he did to me. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, Unfortunately, there will be no winning lottery numbers or trips to Vegas because Jonas is not having any more visions. Aw, <laughs> oh, bummer. No. Yeah. Um, according to the commentary, this scene was actually the final scene shot for the entire season. Oh, really? And oh, they cool. also thought this was, like, the end of the series because they hadn't been picked up for season seven yet. So, oh. like, they thought this was, like, everybody's, like, last shot on the Jokes show. Jokes on oh, man. Many seasons more. Yeah. Several How seasons more. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Anyway, there's a little behind-the-scenes thing. Like um, so they do tell him that things are going well on 237 with a large celebration being planned in their honor, but as Jack says, they'll be bringing the food this time. No. <laughs> uh, Frazier then comes in to kick everybody out because visiting hours are over. Jack wishes him a speedy recovery because they need him out there. And then Jack and Tuck leave, but Sam stays for a second. Jonas is like, is Jack okay? And Sam's like, I knew he would come around and like he would. It's fine. It's fine. He it is enough. He <laughs> is enough. It only enough. took you trying to kill yourself with prophecy visions. <gasps> yeah. uh, oh. He then brings up the fact that they actually changed the future, but the future that came to be was a future that was predicted several thousand years ago by somebody on 237. And how would Sam explain that? And she's like, lucky guess. Maybe. Do do end of episode. Maybe. The end. <laughs> so what if? What if they what? closed it out by the entire episode being the original vision? Oh, <gasps> prophecy! So none of the episode happened. <laughs> so none of the episode happened, and it was the first time that Jonas like fell off his chair of the planet. I would not like that. Mm-hmm. I no. hate. I hate when shows do that. Wake up in the dream. No. <laughs> I, I hate when shows do that. Okay. No. I'd have been no. all right with it. I'd have, I'd have worked with it. <laughs> <laughs> the vision within the vision the prophecy. Vision the vision. No. Okay. No. No. I hate when they do that. Like, yeah. this whole episode never. It's like, well, then. Then why? Why am I here? See, Allison, or Allison Borderland. No. Mm, hate it. No. Oh. Well, that's a whole other mm. podcast I mean, that's whole entirely. Other, that's a whole other thing entirely, yeah. Um, but no. Sure to. Okay. Yeah. Just thought I would throw it out there. No, do not, don't like that thought. No, sorry. <laughs> no things within things that never happened ever. No, I hate it. Okay. I hate well, it. I think it's interesting. Like, if we go back to when they, all the things happened, all the premonitions, right? The whole point, they kind of set you up saying that they already did happen. So mm-hmm. if you look at it, it was already like Mexican food day. Uh, that I mean, it was on the schedule probably like the week before, right? That, the that menu is, was I mean, out and printed. Yeah, they like, were printed that then. was already destined, right? It was predestined. That was going to be Mexican food day. Yeah, he knew that. Yeah. So his premonition changed nothing. So I think that sets us up as a foreshadowing for ultimately all of his premonitions never changed anything, because it's the paradox of of if he did something. To actually change what happened and it didn't change what yes happened. what happened yeah yeah because uh-huh. if you're seeing the future and you change something then you what you changed is the future you saw 
Exactly. And then yeah. it was already predestined by someone a long time ago who put it on the, you know, on yeah. the food menu of, hey, this is going to happen. So yeah. what we can take from this is it was always going to be Mexican food It was day. always going to be Mexican food day. And, <laughs> and you can't change that. Okay. It <laughs> wasn't a prophecy. It was a printed menu. It was a printed <laughs> and menu. And that's what it comes down to. And that is the closing thought. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So the episode title, Prophecy. I mean, we all know what prophecies are. Um, the majority of the foreign territory titles were prophecy, except for one, Rachel. Guess which one wasn't? The German one. It was the German one. Oh, was the, it Jonas's a brain tumor? Jonas's vision. Oh, okay. was the German title of this episode. Okay. The German ones are always very blunt and to the point, and often yeah. spoilers. Yeah, like Forever and a Day was Charay's Sh- death or something yeah. like. Oh that. lord, the death of Charay. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. When I love it. Title episodes, anyway. Desperate measures. <laughs> desperate. Uh, well, I I don't know if I'd call this one. Well, maybe what Jonas. I think it was desperate, desperate measures. measures. Yeah. Yeah. Jonas yeah. does go through some desperate measures in this episode. He does. Yeah. He was yeah. willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Willing to go through. Okay, maybe this is going to put me over the edge and not be able to be fixable. But maybe I'll help the team. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be. You know, I want to show that I'm worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. It qualifies. Okay. Yep. All it was right. cool. All right. Any, it was a good one. Yeah. I enjoyed I, it. I like this one. This yeah. is this is slightly above it's fine for me. <laughs> There's a lot of season Not six great. episodes that are like it's Yeah, fine. there is an it's fine. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is that but was this, a very it's fine year. This is slightly above it's fine. It's good. I, like I liked this one. it. Yeah. 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 This yeah. was good. Mm-hmm. I like because there was like a little extra layers, a little bit like don't bully someone. Like all the stuff now that you look at and go, Oh gosh, look what they were doing. We weren't thinking that in 03. No. You no. know, right? Yeah. We weren't thinking that. We're like, oh, that was nice of Frazier to say that. Mm-hmm. We were thinking, like, that's pretty crappy that his teammate is still yeah. ha- hazing him, essentially, and harassing yeah. him and not accepting him. But you love Jack, so you just let it go. But it's like, yeah, he would risk his life because he wants to prove himself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I liked I liked the Fraser element of that one. Yep. Yeah. Me too. Yay. Yay. It was good. All right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on threads and Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And now on Discord, you can find the link in the show notes. Or you can send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we'll see you next time for the season finale, (gasps) Full Circle. I have a prophecy. There'll be a podcast that day. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.